You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. We are kicking off uh, a seven-week sermon series on Sabbath. We're going to understand what Sabbath is. If you guys were here for us for our commandments series, we're like glossed over Sabbath and it was like, what? That's like, in your Bible, when you read it, it's like the longest of the Ten Commandments. He like say, cites something in there about uh, a ritual and he, 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 he reminds you about how he rested. on. It's like, it's a big one, but it's like, eh, Sabbath. I rest. I kind of do stuff on Sabbath. And I am like the worst person to possibly preach any of these messages right now. I am the most unqualified uh, person to even want to remotely talk about this. And that's why the Lord is just putting it right in my face. Um. Because I'm up here with, with ribs out and a back hurt and uh, put about 60 hours in last week, not even here at the church, uh, on my hands and knees doing like real labor and real painting and real all this other stuff, trying to build our house and save a buck here or there, and I did not rest. As a matter of fact, I worked all day yesterday till about 5.30, and I've had great help and family and friends uh, help out. With things, but I worked till about 5:30. Uh, Dennis, one of our elders, helped me lay the last piece of flooring in our um, master closet, and left, and then got home, changed into some different shoes, and came here. And your staff worked last night because we had to take down all of our Christmas decorations. And so, like, I'm the worst to talk about this, but the Lord's going to guide me through this and all of us through this as we learn what it really means to Sabbath. So, um, usually, we start out the new year with some resolutions. Right, I resolute to do this. Here's the top 10 resolutions. Some of them might look familiar to you. I'm going to exercise more. I saw a picture of me a year ago, and I looked different. Somehow, I fell off the wagon and then got ran over by it and have been drugged by it for the last like eight or nine months. But I have lots of excuses, and I don't even like any of those. Uh, I have not made it a priority. Um, Lose weight, that kind of goes along. You know, if you like exercise more and watch what you eat, you know what happens? I know. It's a great diet plan. We should do something. Um, I'm going to get organized this year. This year, I'm going to get organized. Like, so for us and our family, that means that we're not going to look through the red tub on the floor for spices uh, because that's what we do now. I'm like, oh, it's in the spice, it's in the spice tub. I'm like, okay, flip this over. Right? And we're going to get organized. I can't wait to get organized. It's going to be great. Um, I'm going to learn a new skill or a hobby. Okay, cool. That's a good idea. We should learn something new. Uh, Live life to the fullest, number five. Save more money and spend less money. I've never made that resolution. (laughs) Um, Quit smoking. Good thing. Yeah, not my problem yet. Uh, Spend more time with family and friends. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good resolution. You know, one of the things that I found in my previous career I had I worked with folks that were uh, 55 and older, and I had thousands and thousands of appointments in the insurance business that I would sit with somebody for two or three hours and find out about their life. And more often than not, they look back on their life and they think about the time they spent with and who they spent it with, not about what their house is like, not about how much money they have. They care about the memories that they have. I was just talking to one of our uh, elders in training and he was like, this was the best Christmas because he had his grandkids there and they were all sitting around him and he got to play Legos and he built a princess Lego house with his granddaughter and then he got to throw, throw airplanes with his grandsons and he was just beaming because of the time he got to spend with family. 
That's a good one. Some people want to travel more. I don't think we're really doing that right now. Uh, Some people want to read more. Different things. So what if our church, what if we as a church had a resolution to understand one of God's greatest gifts to us in a new way? And what if we did more with just than absorbing the information, we actually put it into practice. Do you think that a rested parent is a better parent? Right? I see the mom over here like, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you think that a uh, rested boss is a better boss? Yeah, yeah. In general, sit, working out of a place of rest it's going to make you a better model of who God has called you to be as a Christian. Right? And so how do we, why did God know this and how do we get there? And so when I think about this amazing gift called Sabbath, there's actually a gift that happens before that. So what if as a church we could accomplish understanding Sabbath? Do you think some of those other goals might fall in line, whatever you've made resolutions to, if you still do that? For sure. So Sabbath is the only ritual appearing in the Ten Commandments. It's also repeated more often in Torah, which is the the first five books of the the Bible. Uh, It's repeated more often than any other commandment. So there's some pretty heavy commandments there, but this is the one that God keeps coming back to. And why is that? So let's read it in its context here in Exodus 20. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. So we're here to work. But the seventh day is Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you nor your son or daughter. Kids go like, yeah! That's you. I know you're in here. Right? You, hey, we're Sabbathing today, Dad. Sorry. Um. Neither your son nor your daughter, neither your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any uh, uh, foreigner residing in your towns. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Because, you know, God was tired. Or did he know that maybe we would be tired if we... Never stop ceasing. So let's talk about Sabbath. Shabbat is the, is the Hebrew word. It's Shabbat. Uh, another word that's kind of uh, put together uh, whenever they talk about Sabbath, and it's usually really close to it, um, is the word uh, uh, nuah, nukah. And it means to dwell. It means to settle. Settle down. You know that? You've seen coaches be like, settle down, guys, settle down. They're all like amped up and they're like, settle down, settle, settle. Like, what do they mean by that? Get perspective. Get focused. You're scattered. Too many things are going on. Settle down. Settle down. So I love this quote. Uh, And as I was doing my research this week, it says, as followers of Jesus, I don't know if I agree with all of it, but as followers of Jesus, we aren't required to follow the laws given to Israel by God exactly. Debatable. Uh, These were given at a specific time to a specific people group for a specific purpose. Yet the wisdom of of those laws is enduring. And the law of the Sabbath is pure gold. 
It's not a commandment necessarily, she says in this quote, it's not a commandment that we're bound to. It's a promise that we're invited into. Take a rest. So I don't know if I agree with all that, but I love the fact that the Sabbath is pure gold. And so when they talk about, uh, so Sabbath, Shabbat means to cease working. Stop working, right? And a new wife means to settle. Settle with what? Settle with the Lord. Settle with your family. To settle, to connect. Now, how does your creator know that you are going to need a Sabbath? And I would say that the first gift that I want to talk about is the gift of work. As I was doing more of my research this week, I started thinking about uh, these different books, and, and there's this one called H3, and it was uh, one of the Brad Gray studies I was l- listening to on Sabbath and talked about purpose and calling and identity and all these things. And I started thinking about that, and I've done, you know, we have uh, awesome like life coaching to kind of help you get on your track, and there's a book called like 48 Days to the Work That You Love, and there's all of these things, right? Do you know that like one in every seven people in the world is a substance uh, farmer and a Chinese substance farmer, like they they have to farm to eat. Like we have a, I have a messed, we, I'll use I statements. I have a messed up perspective. Like, do you know that most of the world doesn't get to choose like what they want to do for a living? <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to be an engineer. No, no, you're going to do this. They tell you what you're going to do because that's what's needed in their particular country. Do you, do you know, like the idea just blows my mind that we have this like, well, what am I gift? What am I, like, like do you think the Israelites were like, I'm not really created to make bricks. I'm more of a, you know, philosopher type. Like get in there and start making bricks. And so the privilege that we have to find an identity, to find a job, to find something that you would actually enjoy doing, like that's a, that's a unique privilege to America. You could be anything you want to be in America. You could, you could just work so hard. There's so many pathways. And that's all I know. I'm going to do this. and you, Go. Go and try it. Nobody tells you, no, you cannot. It's just a different perspective on work that, you know, well, I have to do the thing that I love. Well, I have to eat. I was thinking back on my time in the insurance business. Did I love selling insurance? When I was a little boy, I was like, you know, someday I want to grow up and I want to sell insurance. Said nobody ever. I want to get rejected 80% of the time. That sounds great. <laughs> you know what I loved about insurance is I did get to help a lot of people but it provided things for my family that I thought were important. It gave my wife the opportunity to be a stay-at-home mom and invest in our kids. And I thought that was more important than, you know, like I thought like being a teacher and a coach would be super cool. I just, my wife, it was going to be tough for her to stay at home on 40 grand a year. Right? And so when you think about big perspective of work and the gift that work, we are called and built and made to work. Genesis 2 is where it starts. Here's what we think. Here's what we see the first uh, part of work. By the seventh day, God had finished the work. So our creator 
is a worker. And when we say we are Christians, we are made in the image of our creators. Guess what that makes us? Workers. So he, he finished the work he had been doing. On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because uh, on it he rested from all the work of the creating he had done. And this is cited, right, in that commandment. They talk about what God had done in Genesis. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. So we are all called and should be working. It's a characteristic of being a Christian. Now, well, I can't because I got, you know, do you know, oh, man, I don't know. Should I go here? Okay, I'll go here. I'll go here. I'll go here. Do you know that, do you, do you know that, that nothing's for free? Do you understand, like, when they're, like, going to give you a stimulus check, they, do you know who they is? They is your grandchildren. What does our what does our government make? How do they produce income? They take it from they take it from you and me, right? And then give it back to us somehow, and it's a gift. Oh, thank you. <laughs> hey, thanks for. Wait, I don't know. Like, was that good? I never felt so guilty a while back when those stim- we got a stimulus check. I'm like, oh, this is like I just put a nail in the coffin of my kids and grandkids. They don't make anything, folks. Right? It's taken from someone. And so we're called to work. We're called to work and produce and do great things. And you should work so hard that you need a Sabbath. Having a work ethic, you know, being around farmers and being around uh, different athletes, like, you know, coaches and people, look at work ethics. What is their work ethic? That's something that, that's something that you should look at. That's something that God looks like, looks at us as Christians. What is your work ethic? So we're called to be working. Both the Old and the New Testament of the Bible speak highly of work and condemn laziness. No one owes you anything. You're in a spot where you can go work and get it. And I know there's lots of reasons and we have all kinds of things. Like, cool, okay, but like, everyone should work at McDonald's. It's like my daughter. Like, you gotta do work, right? Do some work. I noticed this with my nephews this weekend. You know, their work ethic picked up uh, as their dad and I started helping them get involved in laying flooring. Right? They worked hard. I'm a firm believer in a hand out, not a hand, or uh, not a hand out, but a hand up. Come and join me. Let's go together. Because you know what I've seen in my previous world is when people lost their identity, and if their identity was made in who. They, what kind of work they did when I worked with retirees, if they, if they just go home and sit at home and have no purpose, it's a short, it's a short retirement. Because <laughs> we're built to have purpose. And I've seen great examples of this with the people that, that we're connecting, that we live with now. One of our elders, I'm like, hey, Dennis, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm going to deliver furniture for real needs. No, he's retired. Yep. I get to walk up every day and see my dream. Dennis and Connie sitting in their recliners, having their cup of coffee. I'm like, man, someday. But they don't just sit there all day and have coffee and do nothing. They're workers. 
They're still working even though they don't have to work for money. They're working because they're called. We all have a job. You know what all of our calling, you know what all of our design is? Everyone in here. You know what you're designed to do? Glorify God. You were designed to point to a creator who does some amazing things in people's lives. Give people a hand up. So here's a piece of text. Paul's writing this in 2 Thessalonians, and it's a warning against idleness. It's what the title said in my Bible, was a warning against idleness. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teachings you've received from us. What's the saying about idle hands? Isn't there a saying about idle hands? Does anybody know it? Idle hands what? Idols, idle hands are the devil's workshop. So, but I don't have idle hands. Oh, I did good on my game. Isn't that cool? Like, I'm so awesome on my game, I'm busy. You're fooling yourself if you think you're winning because you're winning a game on your phone or on, let me beat up the PlayStation 5s and whatever else we have. It's fun. That's fun to do that. But if that's your life, idle hands are the devil's workshop, right? Do something. Do something in life. Be excited. Accomplish something. Have a goal. Have something that's scary that you might even fail at. But taking swings. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our examples. We were not idle when we were with you, Paul says. Nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. In inferential handouts. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that uh, we would not be a burden to any of you. You know, Christians, we do our job. We take care of things. You know what? Uh, People should come to the church for help, not to the government for help. Man, I'm just way off. I know I'm going crazy up here. But you should come to the church to get help, not to the government. Right? Isn't the government, wasn't its original purpose to defend our borders and regulate interstate commerce? Correct? Has it gone farther than that? I'm not trying to be political on either side here. I'm just saying, has it gone farther than that? <laughs> like, I think so. Whoops. Right? We should be a refuge. Because we work hard, we take care of things, and people come here like, I need help. And we're like, you are at the right place. And we should know how to help people well. We should, they should be able to see that like, you work really hard. How do I, I want to be like, that should be inspiring. Because we were designed that way. Okay, let's see. Verse 9. We did this not because uh, we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave, this, uh, gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Proverbs 20, verse 4 says, Sluggards do not plow in season, and so at harvest time they look but find nothing. We are all plowing. If you're a Christian, you're plowing. You're working. Because when someone needs help, you want to be able to help them. So we're designed to work, to bring chaos into order, and we do uh, this work in order to show the work of who our God is. Now, that can be out of balance. 
There's this one uh, guy I used to listen to, and he said, I'm part of the Before Four Club. I'm like, what does the Before Four Club means? No, I'm at the office before four o'clock. Work from four o'clock to six o'clock, just quick 14-hour day, every day, all the time. Well, great. How's that working for your family? Ever had a breakfast with your kids? So you can get out of balance in your work, right? Billy Graham wrote this. uh, Our work was never meant to become the center of our lives. That place belongs only to God. Someone who brags about working 70 or 80 hours or more a week probably thinks uh, he is the master of his job, but in reality, he has become its slave. It's time to to work. So putting your work before your God is, is sin in my mind. But we are called to work, and when we work, we do it honorably. Uh, Colossians 3, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as we are working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It is the Lord Christ whom you are serving. So here's what I want to land on with our first message here of our seven. You are designed to work. You are designed to, to, to have a great work ethic. You are designed to, 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 to be passionate about what you're doing. If you're serving fries, you can do it fun, right? And whatever you're doing, wherever God has placed you, to do it with passion and the people look at that and like, nope, hard worker. Man, that person works hard. And they work as hard at their job, uh, almost as hard as they work at, at their family. And they protect that time. They, they understand the balance and the rhythm of ceasing, of knowing when to cease, which is what I do not currently understand. This guy over here is saying this, the guy who's, I'm, I'll learn it. Right? But they understand the balance of what it looks like to cease. They understand what it means, like, all right, settle, settle. Everybody settle. Settle and get focused on what? Get focused on solitude. What is, what, what's the last time, what's the last thing you heard from the Lord? When you sat down, when you're hearing from God, what are you like? No, I heard this clearly from God. As you think about that in your mind, if you're just, your wheels are spinning, you're like, man, I don't know if I've heard from God. Okay, when's, how's your solitude? Is there always something in your ear uh, playing, some music, something, some noise that we keep running around and noise and noise and noise and noise and noise? Or is it ever just you and the Lord? I get distracted by my Bible. <laughs> I go, oh, this is a good commentary. Let me read this. No, me and God sitting there. Hi, God. This is uh, your servant, Josh. I just wanted to see if you had anything for me. What's, what would you like from me this year, Lord? Where do, you, where, do you, where, do you, where do you need me to go, God? Who, who are you putting on my heart right now? Yes, funny story. Uh, I have a brother over in Missoula, Montana. Talked to him probably... Eh, 12 times in the last seven years. And um, about four or five weeks ago, the, lo- the Lord said, you need to call Chris. And I actually obeyed. It was really cool. And because I'm like, mm, it's been a long time. Why is he popping into my brain? 
So I called him up. I'm like, hey, just thinking about you, man. How are you doing? He said, my nephew was murdered on Saturday. Josh, how do you know to call? Because I was listening to God. And I had this great conversation with him. He's like, I don't know how. And it's not, I'm sure I missed like 500 of those compared to the ones that I make. But do you understand? Like hearing and settling and ceasing from all of this busyness and the things in your ears and the phone in your pocket and just being like, okay, Lord, let's just, you and me for 10 minutes. No distractions. Tell me, Father, what do you have for me? I want to hear your voice. We're designed to work. We're going to explore awesome, cool depths of Sabbath and learn way more about it. But the first gift is why you even need Sabbath in the first place is because you and I were designed to work and to work well and to give a good account in front of other people of what we're doing, right? To be running with integrity and honesty and, and, and loving people well and caring and going the extra mile in our workplace. Because where you work is where your mission field is, Christian. Right? I was awesome at ministry when I was in insurance. I got to train. I got to sit with people in my car for eight hours a day while we went to insurance appointments. Guess what we talked about? The Lord. Guess what happens when the guys come real successful and they're making a bunch of money and that doesn't solve all their problems? Guess what? Man, well, I'm making this money now. What do I do? I'm still not happy. Let's talk about that. It's weird. Money didn't buy you happiness. Right? And so wherever you sit, that's your place of ministry. Wherever God has you. If you're, if you're, if you're roofing, if you're teaching, that's where God has you to be in ministry. We're called to work. Let's take this time and enter into communion. If you want to get your communion elements out and open those up. Couple questions to be thinking about this week. Hey, you know what we're launching is our life groups. This is our second semester of life groups, right? We're still launching those. And we've got some cool things happening. If you're not in a life group, come talk to myself or Darby or Brian or Carrie or anybody that looks like they might know something. If you see somebody wearing a life group sweatshirt, come talk to them and get plugged in. Because then you dive a little deeper. Maybe that's your New Year's resolution is I want to have community better than I've ever had it before. So some of the things we're going to talk about is how do you view your work? How do you view your work? Well, I... Um, I, I make things. I'm, I work at SEO and I'm on the assembly line. Okay, cool. Like, that's your job. But how do you view your overall work? Like, the people that are around you. Is there anybody around you on the assembly line? Are you ever in the break room? How do you link your identity and significance to work? And why? And in what ways can you consider the work you are doing as full-time ministry? You're ministering. Some questions about retirement. What's your understanding of retirement? How does your views on retirement compare to what Scripture says? Some additional resources here. What are some ways you can begin or continue to partner with God in aspects of work? 
Let's pray before we enter communion. Lord, I, first of all, I just thank you. I thank you for this time. Thanks for letting us meet, Father. Thanks for keeping us safe. Ask for your hands of health and blessing all upon this people in here, everybody online, that you would just protect this body in a mighty, mighty way. Thank you for the privilege of letting us meet, Father, letting us sing. Thank you so much for letting us sing. God, we come to you understanding that we were designed and created to work and that we are to work to the point of needing a Sabbath. Help us open our minds and our hearts. Help us dive in and not just acquire knowledge about the subject of Sabbath, but actually apply it into our lives and change our lives and change our family legacy as we understand this going forward. And I say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.